Praise God. Let's just pray. Father God, we thank you for your goodness and for your kindness to us. We thank you, Lord, that your mercies are new every morning. And Father God, I just ask you to break open your word of life to us. Feed your people manna from heaven. Feed us till we are hungry no more. We thank you, Lord God, that you give us new, new, the hidden manna. Father God, that you've made us to eat of the hidden manna and those secret things that belong to you, Lord God. And Father, we we just have our hearts open and attentive to receive everything that you have for us today. And I thank you to help me to communicate the things that you put in my heart to share in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So <clears throat> we're going to continue um, the series, the prayer series that Pastor David started and um, prayer, as you know, is one of my favorite topics. I love talking about prayer. And um, so we're going to start with the verse in uh, John 14. And John said, uh, or in Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 12, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you that whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because he go, because I'm going to my Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So that's a pretty awesome guarantee (laughs) that Jesus gives us. But when I was studying this week, it kind of came to my attention that the fact that the prayer life is part of the greater works that Jesus said that we would do. And so it's our prayer life is attached to these greater works. So the miracles, we should be expecting those in our prayer life. He said we would do greater works because he's in the Father. And that includes asking in Jesus' name for whatever we want so that the Father would be glorified in Jesus. So we get to bring glory to God through our prayers and getting our prayers answered. Hallelujah. So he said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. There are no qualifiers. He's, we have full access to all the resources for whatever we desire. Um, the, so this is something that as I was studying, this is like a question that came from heaven to me. He said, have you ever thought about to respect your prayers and value them the way that God does? Because he calls them part of the works that we are called to do that are greater works. So sometimes we think of prayer like the least I can do is pray. Like, no, that's the greatest thing you can do is pray. It is, it is not a cast off, cast aside ministry. It is part of the greater works that we are invited to be involved in. Uh, Bill Johnson, I was listening to a message by Bill Johnson, and he was saying that unanswered prayers are pointless. He said, complacency and ignorance tolerate unanswered prayers. We were not designed for unanswered prayers. That's why there's no instruction in the word to address unanswered prayer. So there's nothing in the word that says, well, if you pray and it doesn't work, then blah, blah, blah. You know, it it doesn't say that because your answered prayers are guaranteed by heaven. So we are not designed to coexist with unfulfilled prayers. Now, that doesn't mean that there won't sometimes be a delay because there's a a appointed time for the fulfillment of certain things. You know, like I look at um, Zechariah and Elizabeth. You know, when Zechariah went, they were they were both old, and he went to do his ministry, and the angel said, your prayers have been heard. And it's like it was probably a pray, prayer that he paid, prayed 60 years ago, 
<laughs> but it's like your prayers have been heard. But it was the fullness of time at that moment for John the Baptist to come. And so he, it wasn't a prayer that he could fulfill earlier. And it was because God wanted it to show it off as a miracle. If Elizabeth had had a baby in young age, that's not as much of a miracle as a woman having a baby when she's past age. So, so that's a, he want, God wanted to show off and, and to, that's how he, uh, introduced the Messiah to the earth. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then also remember what, uh, Pastor Scarlett was teaching about vision. The vision is for an appointed time. So some things that we're praying for, they're for an appointed time. It doesn't mean that they're not coming. It doesn't mean that there, there's like a lag. It just means it's for an appointed time. But it also, um, we also, there are some times when our prayers are being res- resisted by the enemy. You know, we, we think of um, Daniel, and when he was in captivity, he was in mourning and fasting for three weeks, and he had a visitation from the man um, that was really an angel of God. And in uh, Daniel chapter 10, verse 11 through 14, The man said to me, Daniel, you are precious to God, so listen very carefully to what I say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. And when he said this to me, Daniel speaking, I stood up still trembling. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you began to pray for understanding and humble yourself before God, your request has been heard of heaven. So our prayers are heard immediately in heaven. And I have come in answer to your prayer. So he, the prayers are heard in heaven immediately and the response is on the way immediately. And, but this angel was saying that for 21 years, 21 days, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, so the prince of Persia was was fighting him. So sometimes there is resistance. So that's why it's our responsibility to continue to bind the enemy and command him to let go of what God has released for us. So so this is part of us. We'll talk about using the keys to the kingdom. But um, but so there is sometimes resistance. But that doesn't mean that there isn't going to be an answer to our prayer. Sometimes when we find ourselves in a place of resistance where we're having to wait, um, we come up with these things that say, well, God says yes, no, and maybe. <laughs> you know, God always answers prayers. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's maybe. That's, that's um, you know, my uh, meat grinder thought. You know, that's what my pastor used to call your carnal mind is a meat grinder that tries to figure out and and come up with an explanation for why you don't have what God promised you yet. You don't have to build a theology around something that's that's not in the word. If, if Jesus has paid for your healing, your healing belongs to you, period. If Jesus has paid for you to be prosperous and to be peace of mind, all reconciled in your family, then that's what we're believing for. That's what we're standing for. And we're not accepting anything less than that. So so sometimes we do have delays or resistance, but we can't build a belief system of unanswered prayer. He said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, in my place, with my access, God will do it for you. Prayer come, becomes then a response to his invitation to boldly come into his throne room. We can have a discourse with heaven that alters the course of world history. That's the audience that we have with the God of all creation. It's our opportunity to partner with God, um, to tap into his heart and to co-labor with him and through prayer help him to release his purposes on the earth. Jesus taught his disciples to pray and he said, 
let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we pray, for his kingdom to be on earth as it is in heaven. That means what he has bought and paid for, the rulership that he has, that has to be established in the earth. So when God calls us to pray, he's not just giving us busy work. Like, here, you put this while I'm working on something else. This will keep you quiet. You know, like, okay, now build this truck. Now take it apart like Legos or something like that. It's like where you build it and pull it apart and build it and pull it apart, and it's just a bunch of busy work. That's not what our prayer is. It is um, he when we engage with God in prayer, he is 100% committed to fulfill the things that we pray. When he tells us what to pray, it's because he has all the resources of heaven waiting to be dispensed, dispersed to enable us to, to see the fulfillment of what we pray. It's um, I was listening to something recently where he was um, the minister was pulling a scripture from the old covenant that was saying you'll build houses, but you won't inhabit them. You'll plant vineyards and you won't eat from them. And that's always part of the curse when we are not when we're not eating the enjoying the fruit of our labor. When we and this is part of what we do, we get to enjoy the fruit of our prayers, the answers to our prayer. And this is something that I I like to pray Um, when I when I'm praying my prayers. I ask the Lord to help me to see and recognize answers to prayer when they come, because sometimes, you know, if if we have in our mind how they're supposed to show up. You know, if we think it's coming in a red car and it comes in a blue truck, we're going to kind of ignore the blue truck and say, wait a minute, (laughs) it's right there. You know, it's right there in front of us. So Holy Spirit, help us to recognize when you answer the prayer so we we can glorify God in it. So my my topic today is praying in the spirit or praying with the spirit. So we're praying in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. And um, let's look at um, 1 John 5, verse 14 through 15. John says, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. In the voice translation, it says, we live in bold confidence that God hears our voices when we ask for the things that fit his plan. And if we have no doubt that he hears our voices, we can be assured that he moves in response to our call. God moves in response to our voice. And so this is a bold statement, but it has the qualifier of if you ask according to his will and fit things according to his plan. So then the question is, how do we know what his plan is? <laughs> you know, well, we learn our his plan and his will through our relationship with him, through living with the living word, you know, finding him in the in the scriptures um, and letting Jesus introduce his will to us. I truly believe that as we walk with Jesus and we become more acquainted with his voice and with his heart, our response to him and what he wants becomes almost instinctive to us. And to be honest with you, I was thinking about all y'all married people when I was thinking about this because I see how, you know, like if you're married to somebody, you know what they like. You know what their preferences are. You know what pleases them. Wives will shop for certain things in a certain way that they know their husband likes, you know, I know that you like this without the husband ever asking for it. It's like they just know this is something that's going to please them. This is something that's going to, you know, make them happy some kind of way. Um, They do for one another. Spouses do for one another. They serve each other, not out of obligation, but out of love and out of that's their motivation. And so when somebody is serving 
their spouse, you know, if a wife is serving their spouse out of strict obligation or fear, that's an abusive relationship. But that's not the relationship that we have with our with our husband, Jesus. And so um, and also husbands and wives, they can even respond on each other's behalf. Their hearts have become one. So if I I can ask Marie something about Jerry and she can answer as though she's Jerry, you know, she can not not for everything, but for a lot of things that she's got the authority to speak on his behalf because they're, the two become one flesh. And so they're not homogenized, but they're unified. And that's what we have with Jesus. He's given us authority to speak in his name. And so in uh, Matthew chapter 11, this is the message translation. Now, uh, Jesus had just, um, he was just rebuking <laughs> people that weren't, that weren't recognizing who he was um, and where he was and but in the middle of all that he abruptly broke into prayer and said thank you father lord of heaven and earth that you concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls but you spelled it out clearly to ordinary people yes father that's the way you like to work so jesus already knew this is the way the father likes to work his he likes to share his share what he has with people who want it you know, there's nothing that he's withholding. And then in verse 27, Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. He said, the Father has given me all things to do and say. And this unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, and nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anybody willing to listen. So he's sharing this this intimate um, communication between the father and the son. That's such a close communication, and um, and he's sharing it with us. And this is what he's sharing. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So when we're praying with the Spirit, we're co-laboring with Christ. We're co-laboring with Jesus. We're taking his burden. We're taking his yoke upon us. And uh, we can learn from him. He said, Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. And we learn his rhythm. We learn what his voice sounds like. And we start to share his voice. We start talking like he talks. You know, when you start hanging out with somebody, you pick up their dialect or <laughs> their, or their isms, you know, the things that they like to say. Um, that's how we do. When we spend time with Jesus, we start talking like he talks. And um, so when we pray this way, this is what fervent, effectual prayer looks like when your body, mind, and spirit are all connected in rhythm with him. So we see this example in the life of Elijah. Um, in James chapter 5, verse 16, starting at the end of verse 16, it says the effective, effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And, of course, we're all righteous by faith in Jesus. Amen. So our prayers also accomplish much. So Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain in the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So 
I was going to try to remember how to say these Greek words, but he prayed, um, you know, prosekamai, I think is how to say it, prosekamai. And so um, that that word where he prayed is in translate, it's a verb to pray to God. But the word earnestly, that's there. That is not an adjective. That's actually a noun. And it's not um, it's not ever elsewhere translated earnestly. It's actually translated as a place set apart um, for prayer. <clears throat> so like a house of prayer or a synagogue. So he prayed. Um, so he's not praying like when you think of earnest prayer, you're thinking like, oh, God, please come down. You know, all that kind of <laughs> that desperation, you know, and that's not what this verse it really is saying. He's saying he's praying from the position of prayer. He's praying from the from the intentional posture of sanctification and authority for the purpose of being heard by God. So it's. um so when it's it's a place set apart, so that's what sanctified means. So it's set apart for God. Um, you know, sometimes you'll have a specific prayer time, or sometimes you'll have um, a place, you know, like at your kitchen table, or you know, out on the lanai where you just get along with God. But it's a place that is. I, I know somebody that has a, a rocking chair that she uses. That this is my prayer chair. And when she's sitting in her chair, that's when she prays. I have um, prayer partners that I have prayer assignment times. You know, so Tuesday, 7 o'clock, don't call me because that's when I'm praying with Juana. You know, it's like I have, and that time has been sanctified and set aside for God. And from that position, it gains an authority. And um, you're praying from that position of who you are in Christ. And so, so when you look at from, you know, so this, um, was, uh, was it James we were talking about? James was referring to 1 Kings 17 and, um, where he prayed that it would not rain. So I'm going to look at 1 Kings so we can see what his prayer looked like. Um, in uh, 1 Kings 17, 1, um, this is where we're first introduced to Elijah. Elisha the Tishbite. From Tishbe in Gilead. So he just showed up. And he said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand. So that's the position um, of authority. He said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, there shall neither be dew nor rain these years except by my word. So he spoke, this was his fervent prayer that he spoke with the voice of God, with the authority that says, it's not going to rain till I say so. And so he, he, would, he didn't say, it's not going to rain until God says it can rain. No, he said, it's not going to rain till I say so. So Elijah was a man of like passions as we are, right? And he knew who he served. He knew where he stood, and he made a bold declaration that it wouldn't rain until he said so. This effectual, fervent prayer that he spoke on behalf of God because he knew the will of God. He knew the heart of God. So isn't that encouraging? We do the same thing when we pray the authority of God's words. When we make a declaration of prayer, when we pray the word of God, we're praying from that position of authority. It's an unwavering place. It's a secure place. And we can have the things that we pray. So um, in uh, Matthew 16, verse 19, Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth is forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth is permitted in heaven. 
So this is that same authority that Elijah had. So it's an awesome responsibility to have keys, right? <laughs> when somebody gives you keys to the house or keys to their car, you have to be careful how you use it. And But it's a it's a um, implication that they trust you. So Jesus has given us keys because he trusts us in what we're going to do. Let's take a look at um, Luke chapter 9, verse 51 and 56. So Jesus, um, we see to do to do to do. Jesus, the days were pro- approaching for his ascension. So this is getting close to the time of his death, and he was determined to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him, um, and they went and entered the village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. But they, the Samaritans, did not receive him because he was traveling toward Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, the sons of thunder, when they saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven to consume them? So they wanted to use their keys, just like Elijah did. But Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, you have no idea what kind of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. So the sons of thunder wanted to use the authority that God had given them to call down fire from heaven and to destroy the people in the town because they rejected Jesus' ministry. But Jesus rebuked them and said, that's not what the keys are for. You have no idea what spirit you are speaking out of. He said, um, he told them that his heart and his purpose was not about destroying or hurting people. Jesus came to show us the Father, and Jesus did not see the Father punishing and consuming people in their ignorance. His heart toward, was toward salvation and redemption, always. And when we don't, when we know that about the will of God, we can be more effective in our prayers because we can pray according to the will of God. God also gave us his spirit and the gift of tongues to help us to pray more effectively. So we'll take a look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26. It says, Likewise, the spirit also helps our weakness, for we don't, do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. So this, so he makes intercession for us and through us with groanings and words outside of our natural understanding. And he who searches the heart and knows the mind of what the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So if we don't know what to, what to pray, we can trust the Holy Spirit to pray the perfect will of God through us. And we know we have confidence of this because of his promise that all things work together for the good of those who love God who are the called according to his purpose. So we have the gift of the Holy Spirit when we don't know what to pray. Um, to be able to pray in tongues, to pray in the in an unknown language, a language unknown to us naturally. And we can pray in the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit prays through us the perfect will of God. The Holy Spirit prays through us um, the will of God and also knits our hearts to the will of God. It, 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 there's a change that comes to us as we pray in tongues. And we have the confidence, when we, after we get done praying in tongues, we have confidence that, because we prayed, all things are going to work together. And it's not just because we prayed. It's, all things is working together because of us. But you see in the context of the message here, it is, is 
we have a, we have the Holy Spirit working in us and through us to pray according to the will of God. And because we have the Holy Spirit, we have the confidence that all things work together for our good. And so tongues is a very valuable gift of the Spirit. And he wants us to get more comfortable with it, to be able to use it every day. Um, and, you know, I think about... Um, you get when you see somebody using a gift and enjoying a gift that you gave to them. I get so happy every time I see Michelle bring your cup, but that cup I gave you, it was like when I see you using it and enjoying it and talking about how great it is, I'm like, yay, it's the good one, you know, and it's like, and it makes you happy. Well, how much more when we are enjoying the gift of the Holy Spirit that he gave us, he gets so excited that we're, that we're connecting with him that way. And when he said, this is a line of communication and the thought, and Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away so that you can get this gift. And, and he gets so excited when we could say, yes, it's so much better that we have the Holy Spirit, you know, when we can enjoy the gift that he's given us. So we're going to talk about some benefits of praying in the spirit and um and hopefully it will encourage all of us it encouraged me when i was studying i said this is <laughs> it gets better and better and gooder and gooder and um so um so like i said so in in um the first benefit uh when praying in tongues lines our prayers up with the perfect will of god so that's what we just read that in romans 8 um secondly praying in tongues allows us to speak the mysteries and the secret things of god in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 and 2, it says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he that speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So this is not a discouragement from us praying in tongues. Paul is is telling the church as a corporate, it's like, we want also to prophesy so that we can edify one another. Um, but praying in the spirit, you're able to speak the mysteries of God. So, and, and Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 8:10, he said, unto you, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the outsiders, they are, they are told in riddles and parables. When he said, he said, why do you talk to them in parables? He said, because the secret things are for you. I, these things, I can share kingdom secrets with you. I can't share it with those people because they're not believing. And so, um, in our U.S. government, we have the three levels of security clearance, you know, confidential, secret, and top secret. You know, so in the kingdom, we're given a security clearance and we're able to know the deep things of God. And as we're faithful with a few things, we're given more. We are able to have access to more understanding as we, um, as we treat the things that God shares with us as precious as we pray, when we treat them as precious, not like so precious that we can't touch them, but valuable and important, then he will entrust us with more. And, you know, you think of the parables, all the parables that said, you know, I have five and I invested it and now I have ten. And he said, I'll make you ruler of or so, so much more. And that's um, I think that's a principle that we can see in other things in the spirit. He said, if, if you can be faithful with the unrighteous mammon, how much more, you know, will you be entrusted um, with the things of the spirit? So in First Corinthians 4, 1, Paul calls the ministers of the new covenant, stewards of the mysteries of God. So um, praying in the spirit allows us to declare God's mysteries and the secret things into the earth um, before they're revealed. 
So we can we can be praying in the spirit and where we don't have an understanding, but we're praying the mysteries of God and we're declaring to the earth, you know, earth, earth, hear the word of the Lord. You know, we can declare to the earth to hear the word of the Lord and respond to the word of the Lord before it can be revealed, you know. And so so it allows us to declare the mysteries of God in the earth. Number three, um, tongues is a um, praying in tongues is a sign that we've been clothed with the power to be witnesses. So in um, Luke twenty four forty nine, Jesus said to his disciples, "Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father to you, but stay in the city city until you are clothed with power from on top on high." So that word endued with power means clothed with power from on high. That same account is in Acts chapter 1 written this way. It says, and while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So this is the same This is the same account. He said, you'll be clothed with power. You'll be baptized with the Spirit. That's the same thing. And then in verse 8, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. And that happened in Acts chapter 2. So next chapter, um, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all gathered together in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. I think the King James says sat on them. And I always picture that, you know, you see these paintings where it has like a little flicker, <laughs> like a little like a candle, like it's sitting on top like this. But I think if if I sit on top of Ruby. You won't be able to see Ruby anymore. <laughs> you know, when the whole, when the tongues of fire sat on them, it completely engulfed them. He said, you'll be baptized with the spirit. So these tongues completely engulfed these, these disciples. And when they did, the divided tongues appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. So they were filled. They were baptized, clothed with the power of the spirit. And they were able to be witnesses because right after that, they began preaching to, to the people in Jerusalem. About the resurrected Christ. <clears throat> okay. Ver, um, number four. <laughs> Benefit number four. Um, praying in tongues keeps us built up in our most holy faith and in the love of God. And that's found in Jude, um, verse 20 and 21. There's only one chapter in Jude. So um, in the ESV it says, um, But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God, Waiting for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. In the voice translation, it says, you, however, stand firm in the love of God, constructing a life within the holy faith, praying in the spirit's prayer as you eagerly as you wait eagerly for the mercy of the Lord Jesus, the anointed, which which leads to eternal life. So praying in tongues. Our faith in Christ becomes strong, um, and it establishes us in the love of God, and it gives us an expectation of God's mercy. So there's so much expectation of bad wickedness stuff coming. You know, oh, it's getting worse out there. It's like, no, if you pray in the spirit, you have an expectation of God's mercy. You have an expectation of good, and it keeps you grounded and rooted in the love of God. 
and anchors our hope in him. Number five, praying in tongues keeps you mindful of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. So in John chapter 14, Jesus said, I will ask of the Father, and he will give you another helper, which which may be with you forever. That he may be with you forever. Let me start again. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So he was telling the disciples, you're familiar with the Holy Spirit because he resides among us because I'm here. But you're going to, once you receive the promise of the Father, you're going to recognize him and now he's going to move in. He's going to be in you. And you can see from this verse that Jesus prayed, or he said he would pray. He's, you, we don't ever have to pray the old covenant prayer from Psalm 51 that says, don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your spirit from me. You know, there's those prayers. That's not, Jesus said that he'll be with you forever. Forever, period. He's going to be with you forever. Jesus himself prayed. That the Father would give us a spirit to remain with us forever. And don't you think that the Father answers Jesus' prayer? Of course. Yes, he does. Um, one of my pastors, he, um, Pastor Shirley, she ministers on the Holy Spirit. Um, and she would do it at all of our conferences. She prayed on, she ministered on the gift of the Holy Spirit. She was so articulate in how, how she shared and it stirred up my faith, but she, he's, she was saying that if someone were inside your house, you would know it because you could see him. And that would give evidence of the presence. But we can't see the Holy Spirit. But we know he's inside of us because we have the inner dwelling, the evidence of praying in tongues. So having that evidence of speaking in unknown tongue, that lets us know that he's there, that he remains with us. And um, when I first received the gift of tongues, the enemy tried to fight me and talk me out of it um it was like for a week it's like i received i received at a um business meeting if you can imagine that i was at a i was at a business meeting it turned into a church service (laughs) but um but that's my boss and i both received the baptism of the holy spirit in a in a business meeting and um then i went home and so I didn't have a lot of a lot of exposure to it. I had a little bit of exposure to the gift of the Holy Spirit, but not a lot of exposure. And I came home and I had resistance in my house because my I was I was already divergent, you know, um, from, you know, the Catholic home that I was raised in. So I was already seeing those Protestant people. And now I come home speaking in tongues and it was like, phew, you know, and so I was hit, hitting resistance and intimidation, and I didn't know how to stir up the gift myself. I I I knew I felt a sensation. I knew something happened to me in the business meeting, but then it was like I could I didn't know how to pull it up myself. You know, when I got home, and um, so and then I was embarrassed to ask questions. I was like, I screwed up. I lost it. You know, I was just, you know, I didn't know that he said he would be with me forever. And so um, it was finally, it was about a week later, and I was just kind of a little bit frustrated. And, and I was hiding in my basement to pray because I wasn't allowed to pray in the house. So I was like hiding in the little corner in the storage room and basement. I was praying and hiding and asking God, you know, why I couldn't keep it. And then all of a sudden I felt a warmth 
on my tongue and it started jiggling like that. And I started to laugh. And as soon as I started to laugh, my tongue skipped, you know, came out like bubbling up out of me. And it was like I didn't want it to stop. It felt so good. But then I was afraid to stop because it was like, well, if it stops, can I? And so I started kind of like experimenting, like stop and start and stop and start, you know. <laughs> and and when I did that, it was like I got confidence that this was mine. It was a gift for me to keep and the Holy Spirit let me practice with him to give me the assurance that that he was never going to let me go and it was so profound to me and now it's just you know I have such a confidence in that and that same thing happened you know when um you know I hmm, I'm trying to think of how to say this but we um we can practice um in the Holy Spirit you know we can you know, sometimes, you know, and and I'll talk about this a little bit more with new tongues, but sometimes, you know, we'll get we'll get to a place where, okay, we're we're confident, we're comfortable, and then we'll we'll have our own routine language that we pray all the time and it sounds the same and it's it almost feels like it's coming out of our head, you know. And sometimes you'll need to draw from the Holy Spirit for deeper deeper language, you know, to to do different things in God. And um and that's not a bad thing, you know, and he's okay with you trying him out. You know, this is not a disrespectful thing. This is an exploration of who he is. And he's given us full reign. And there's so much length and depth and width of God that we can explore. And um, he wants to give us the freedom to be able to do that. So you have permission. I'm just letting you know you have permission to to explore in God and try him out because he he loves teaching you and you don't learn if you sit still. You don't learn if you stay the same. You only learn if you try and you you know and let him help you. Amen. Okay. Um and then finally um well not finally number 6. Um praying in tongues keeps us edified. Um in first Corinthians 14:4 it says that he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. The um the word edify literally means to build a house or to erect a building. It also means a, to restore by building, to rebuild or to repair. Okay? So when I heard I heard this verse and I always heard that it meant that praying in tongues you edify your spirit when you pray in tongues. You know, you're pumping weights of the spirit. And I don't think that's untrue. Um but it doesn't only benefit your spirit. This is it says that it rebuilds the body. It rebuilds the the house. It rebuilds the house. In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul said, "Do you not know that your body is the house of God where the Holy Spirit lives? God gave you his spirit. Now you belong to him. You don't belong to yourselves. God bought you with a great price. So honor God with your body because you belong to him." To him. So, when we are praying in the spirit, um, it builds, strengthens, and restores also your physical body. So, um, so you're not feeling so great? Pray in tongues. <laughs> it rebuilds, it repairs, it restores you. It's the same word in Hebrew, bana, not banana, but bana. <laughs> and, and it means um, to build or rebuild. And it's it's the same word that um, in sec, in First Chronicles. First Chronicles 22, where David called Solomon to build the temple. 
that's that same word. Um, it also means to build a house or establish a family. So praying in tongues establishes your house and makes you fruitful. Um, so let's look another verse um, in the Old Testament. This is one of my favorite verses, and it's Psalm 103. And remember, we were talking about his benefits. Bless the Lord, all his benefits. So in uh, Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your diseases, who heals all, who forgives all your iniquity and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So that word, the Hebrew word mouth, is not actually the Hebrew word mouth. The, the word that's translated mouth is not the Hebrew word pay, which would have been mouth. It's actually the word adi, which means um, ornaments or trappings of horses. So he, he's saying, I will, I will fill, satisfy your ornament with good things, which, which um, it's the same word that's used in Psalm 32, verse 9. Be not like the horse and the mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. So so in this psalm, he's saying, don't be like one that has to be dragged around. You know, listen to the to the voice of God yourself. But it's don't be dragged with your bit and bridle. So you see with a have you seen a mule having to drag him along like that? So that ornament, that's what that word, how satisfy that with the good. And um, the word good, good things, um, actually is the good. Things is not in the original translation. So he said he'll satisfy it with the good, which is defined as good, pleasant, agreeable. And it also means welfare, prosperity, happiness, and bounty. So when the psalmist says that he'll satisfy your mouth with the good, it means that God will lead you with things that will bring you the welfare, prosperity, happiness, and bounty. Hallelujah. And he does this so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The youth, um, that word youth literally means your teenage years. So it brings you back to your teenage years, your adolescence. And it renews you, meaning that word renews, hadas, means to be new, to repair, or to renew oneself. Okay, so does that sound familiar? This was talking about edification. It says this is what we're doing when we're praying in the Holy Spirit. Our youth and energy is renewed like when we were teenagers and our body is restored and renewed. Amen. And so I believe that the gift of tongues is the ornament that he places in our mouth. And he satisfies us with that. And he helps us and leads us and directs us from the inside. And when we do it, we are made better for it. So when we obey his leading, we are made better for it. <clears throat> One of the signs that follows believers is they will speak with new tongues. And so I touched on this a minute ago, but that word new and new tongues, and that's from Mark 16, it says, but is he'll speak with new tongues. That means um, the kainos is the word kainos. It says a new kind of substance, uncommon or unheard of tongues. So, and it's a new kind of substance, tongues. Um, it's not like um, that you wouldn't be able to speak in a known earthly language because that does happen. And obviously, on the day of Pentecost, the people who were gathered there, they all heard um, the disciples speaking in their own language. 
Um, so they were, you know, either it was a supernatural speaking or a supernatural hearing or a combination of both. Um, but I know, I know that there is testimony about Azusa Street when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they received a heavenly language and also an earthly language. And depending on what earthly language they got, that's how they knew where they were sent to. So if they received a Chinese dialect, they said, God's calling me to China, shoot, and they went. So I know that sometimes that it, that is given in a natural language, but this word new tongues is a new kind of substance. It's an uncommon, unheard of tongues. It all also means fresh, recently made, unused, and unworn. So it's like a brand new outfit, right? This is why your prayer language is unique to you. My tongues don't sound like Marie's, don't sound like Ruby's. They all have a unique sound to it. Your tongue has a unique sound and dialect. Um, sometimes we even pick up each other's sounds and syllables and that kind of thing. And just like your natural vocabulary is always growing, your your language and tongues should also be growing. And we do that by faith. Well, the same way that we release our language by faith, we can hear new sounds and new utterances and go farther in the spirit by faith. I think of it like um, like soup. Like a stew, you know, and you're pulling it. If you just take it from off the top, you're just going to get the delicious broth, but you're not going to get the meat and the potatoes. That's at the bottom. You got to dig deeper to get that. So, um, so our prayer language should be always growing, expanding to pray the mysteries of God. Number seven, your prayers in tongues brings a refreshing. Praying in tongues brings a refreshing. In Isaiah 28, verses 11 and 12, it says, For with stammering lips and another tongue I will speak to my people, to whom he said, This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. This word, refreshing, the margay, this is the only place in the Old Testament that this word is ever used, is refreshing, and it means a place of rest. So with the unknown tongue, he brings us to a place of rest. And to a place of refreshing. If we go back to Matthew 11, um, where Jesus was inviting them to come and learn of him, um, he said, "Come to me, all who are um, that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for, my, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So, so I will give you rest, and then you also find rest." So there's a there's a rest that's given just by coming to him. And then there's a rest that you find as you walk with him and learn how to um, cooperate with him. You find a rest for your soul. This is the refreshing. This is the this is the refreshing that Isaiah was talking about, that he was saying that I will cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Okay, he said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So sometimes when things get hectic in your life and you get discouraged or you get tired, reach out for the refreshing of God and just pray in the Holy Spirit. You know, take time. You know, I, I, I'll I say that as much as I love the gift of the Spirit, there are moments when I get hectic in my life and my life gets crowded. And it's like, God is like, why don't you just pray? It's like it'll just like pop out, you know, to pray in tongues. And I'll just stop and just pray in the Spirit and just let myself get centered, calm down, and I'll pray in the spirit, and I just feel like a brand new person afterwards. It's like taking a shower, you know. And um, my pastor, Pastor Shirley, always teaches people when she gets people spirit filled, she lets them know, you know, to pray often. And she said, 
she kind of, as a point of contact, she said, whenever you're in water, pray in tongues. So it's like if you're in the pool, if you're in the shower, you're in the bathtub, take that moment to pray in tongues. And it's, it's, the water is like a point of contact because we have rivers of living water coming out of us when we pray in tongues. And so, but that also reminds you to do it every day, assuming that you shower every day. It's like you can, every time you get in the shower and you're alone with God, just take that moment to get refreshed in, in your spirit as well. So, she says, um, rest is like medicine for our body. It's a cure. Instead of going to doctor's visits, we get a vacation. So <laughs> that's what we get. Vacation from medicine, a vacation from stressfulness, um, a rest from anxiety, a rest from perplexity, and a rest from everyday problems. You can take your doctor money and go buy clothes with it. So, <laughs> so we could go, we can just take that moment, tap into the spirit, the, abundant life of God, we have this opportunity that we have to tap into the rest of God, to the joy of God, to the prosperity of God through this gift that that so many people cast aside or they'll they'll like pray one time just to prove they got it and they don't they put it on a shelf and never use it. This is for us to use and exercise as often as we can. And um so you can never pray in tongues too much. Just like we can never read the word too much or never preach the gospel too much. God wants to satisfy us with answers to our prayer. And he wants us to enjoy our cooperation with him. Amen. Amen. Well, Father God, we bless you. We thank you. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. And we we just give you honor and glory. And Jesus, we thank you. Um, Holy Spirit, we ask that you remind us when we get forgetful. Remind us of our benefits. Remind us of the things that we have available to us. That we have everything in our hands um, to equip us um, to face every um, every obstacle, every hindrance, everything that we have to face, Lord God. And I just thank you that you give us your grace your peace your spirit we thank you that you give us your power your wisdom and your understanding i thank you lord god that you give us all things pertaining to life and godliness and we will give you all the glory in jesus name thank you for healing our broken bodies i thank you lord god that you heal us and make us whole thank you that your word is medicine to all our flesh and we receive the medicine of your word today thank you that we are whole we are strong nothing missing and nothing broken in jesus Jesus' name, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, come back on Sunday. Come back Sunday (laughs) and Wednesday.